Hi, hello, and welcome to episode number 41 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Ariel Moore, and I am your host. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. We are not back to normal, and the way things look, we never will be. We're in the middle of a societal shift that will carry on through the election in November and send us into the new decade on what appears to be the right foot. Thank you all for the kind words I got about last week's podcast. It really does mean a lot to me. I'm glad that what I said was coherent, uh, what I said made sense, and was able to, I guess, provide perspective for some people. I appreciate those of you that reached out to uh, to tell me what you thought. Uh, if, if I feel the need to continue making podcasts and talking about those issues, I will. I will touch on them briefly at the end of this episode. Um, but until then, I am going to try to to mostly keep my mouth shut, keep my ears open, my heart open, and my eyes open to the to the struggles of those around me. And I encourage uh, all of you to do the same. <clears throat> In the meantime, as sports slowly start to come back, the regularly scheduled programming of this podcast will as well. We now have plans and target dates for the NBA and NHL to return. Major League Baseball's players and owners continue their pissing contests with seemingly no progress whatsoever. Right before I started recording this, the owners rejected another deal. Sports fans really don't seem to be worried about baseball. This is the time of the year. Many of them start to drop off anyways and turn their attention towards football. Even the diehard baseball fans appear to be fed up. And the country as a whole is even more desperate for sports now than they have been during this entire process. Baseball owners earlier today offered the players a 76-game schedule with 75% of their prorated salaries if a postseason is played. There continues to be worries of a second wave of the coronavirus that could potentially wipe out the postseason. And if that were the case, the players would only get 50% of their prorated salaries. The players turned that down. It did not go over well. And we continue to be in the same boat we've been as the target date of July 3rd becomes increasingly unlikely. Just a few minutes ago, before I started recording this podcast, I got news that the players then offered the owners an 89-game schedule. Um, with, I think, 80% prorated salaries. And the owners turned that down. So here we are again with no deal and no baseball. Listen, this is something that's been bothering me, and I've said this on the podcast before. And I'm going to say it again because the longer this goes, the more opinions and, and people start chirping about baseball players and about professional athletes, and this goes beyond just baseball. But listen to me closely here, okay? You absolutely, unequivocally cannot compare a Major League Baseball player or any professional athlete with a normal, everyday human being. You simply cannot. They have a multi-million dollar skill, they play in leagues that are very very valuable, that produce a lot of money, that get a lot of sponsorships. These are not everyday people. They have a very high multi-million dollar 
level skill. Joe in accounting. There's not a hall of fame for accounting. There's not a hall of fame for the postal service mailman. There's not a hall of fame for an ice cream scooper, for a banker. There's not a hall of fame for those things. It's different. Athletes are different. They make a lot more money. They do a lot of things differently. We cannot compare athletes to normal people and get upset when the athletes demand the money that they think they deserve because they have a multi-million dollar skill and play in very valuable leagues. It just doesn't make sense. It's just silly. People claim players are, are not playing for the love of the game and so on and so forth. Listen, I think any athlete will tell you that as you get older, the love of the game will obviously dwindle. It's not the same as when you were a young kid growing up playing sports. It's not the same as maybe when you were in college playing sports. A lot of these professional athletes have families. They have children. They have wives. They have older people in their family, maybe their parents or their grandparents, their aunts and their uncles that are relying on them for things, for money, for living their life. So to, to always say that why don't these baseball players or these athletes understand that 40 million Americans are out of work? I think they understand that, but they don't compare to those Americans. That's just not, that's not something they can totally get on board with. And those 40 million Americans that are out of work don't reserve the right to be mad at a baseball player for getting what he deserves or, or fighting for what he feels he deserves. If he's got the financial flexibility to do so, fighting with people that make and have and own so much more money than he does, the, 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 out average out of work American doesn't have the right to tell the baseball player what he should be doing with his own money, his own time, and his own family. I mean, I'm going to talk about the NBA here in a minute. The things that the NBA players have to go through with their restart plan is absurd. Listen, I I, I want baseball to play. I really truly do. I want the players to figure it out. I want them to come to some sort of solution, especially in Cincinnati with a team that was expected in some circles to compete for the National League Central and possibly the World Series, the best roster this team has had in nine or ten years. Of course I want them to play. But, I mean, I can't be mad at them for doing what they feel is, is the best thing for themselves and their families. I mean, who am I to judge? I don't know anything about the way they live. I can know how much they get paid, but that doesn't mean I understand the things that they're going through. It it's all comes back to the same thing. Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Just because someone makes more money than them than you doesn't mean you get to decide how they live their life. It's a professional athlete. It's I mean, come on. Ugh, that's bothering me, man. I, I see Facebook posts and, and stuff from people and and it's it's a lot of people. And I'm just like, you guys. Come on. And maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I should take a step back and say, you know, all these people are saying this. Maybe I'm the one that's wrong. But I feel strongly about what I just said. 
I saw a Facebook post today or this week that said, why don't they play for the love of the game, the game that they supposedly love so much? I'm like, dude, it's just, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it the right way and they're going to do it the safest way. And the owners have still yet to prove the fact that they can't afford all this. And they're getting expanded postseason next year and the year after, which means they're going to make a lot more money than they have in previous years. Maybe that's the key. Maybe defer the payments. Maybe defer your salaries for the players to next season when when your pockets are fat and sassy. I don't know. I don't know. Frustrating to say the least. Welcome aboard. It's the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Uh, Episode number 41. And before I get to the NBA, let's play numbers game. Numbers game, of course, every episode that is uh, numbered, I will tell you about a player that bore that number. One of my all-time favorites is this week, number 41, Dirk Nowitzki. The big German is an NBA Finals champion, a Finals MVP, a 14-time NBA All-Star. He was 12 times All-NBA and was the MVP in the 2006-2007 season. He retired after last season, finishing his career with over 31,000 points, good enough for sixth on the all-time list. Dirk Nowitzki also third all-time in minutes played with just an astounding number of minutes played in his career. Dirk Nowitzki, the big German, one of the all-time best people to ever play in the NBA, the longtime Dallas Maverick, number 41. He is our focus for numbers game. Speaking of him and speaking of the NBA, the NBA is most likely returning to action on July 31st. Well, most of the teams will be. The league has come up with a 22-team format with all teams and games playing at Disney's Wide World of Sports in Orlando. 13 teams from the Western Conference will make the trip and nine teams from the Eastern Conference will make the trip. So basically, here's how the schedule is going to be from here on out. Teams that have international players on their rosters, those players are urged to return to team cities by June 15th. That's the team's specific city, excuse me. And the American or local players are expected to return to those cities on June 22nd. They want them to wait a week before they interact with the international players, obviously giving everyone some time to quarantine and be tested and all that. Then the entire team will make the trip to Orlando to begin testing in a two-week training camp. They're going to stagger the arrivals of the teams so that everyone is there by either July 7th or July 9th. After that, it gets kind of crazy, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So the standings going into play on July 31st after a two-week training camp are based on record. The eight teams with the worst record in the league, which are the Hornets, the Bulls, the Knicks, the Pistons, Celtics, Cavs and Timberwolves and Warriors will not be playing uh, this season. The remaining teams will then play eight final regular season games to help determine the playoff seating for the normal 16-team bracket. So basically what this means is you're going to have 13 Western Conference teams, nine Eastern Conference teams. So that one extra team in the Eastern Conference is going to be battling it out with the eighth-place team in the East to make the playoffs. And here's what happens. If at the end of the season, okay, if at the end of those eight games, if the team that is in ninth place, and again, the top eight in both conference makes the playoffs, if the team that is in ninth place is within four games, they will play a playoff with the eighth place team to make the postseason. 
The eighth place team would have to beat them just once, and the ninth place team would have to beat the eighth place team twice to get that eighth position in the playoffs. If the ninth place team is four or more games out of the eighth place position, then the eighth place team automatically goes. And there's your top eight on both sides. So that's going to be relatively interesting. Uh, I have been looking at, at a couple articles kind of explaining um, what the league wants to do. And they it, it's kind of crazy, really, um, how they how they want to do it because teams are going to have to they're basically not going to be allowed to leave Disney's Wide World of Sports their families would not be allowed on the on the premises until the second round of the playoffs their families would have to quarantine any player that leaves the campus would have to quarantine there's a whole bunch of stuff back and forth about um whether or not Players about like the roster replacing players who can be signed, who can't be signed, so on and so forth. Um, so there's an article on the Ringer kind of uh, explaining it, and Kevin O'Connor from the uh, this is a article. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm a little flustered at the moment by Dan Devine, and uh, I'll just read you the um, the uh, the the paragraph here from his article on the Ringer. He said his colleague Kevin O'Connor reported last week that rumblings across the league suggest the league will require teams to arrive at Disney World no later than July 16th before beginning quarantine in an attempt to limit potential exposure to and spread of COVID-19 among those who will be playing and working at the campus site. The league has been brainstorming testing protocols for some time that would allow a safe resumption of play. Even if the league can build an adequate supply of tests to ensure that players, coaches, staff, and other league personnel can get multiple weekly or even daily tests, there remain major public health concerns associated with leagues returning to business as coronavirus continues to, to spread. And this is, the, uh, this is the interesting part here. The pandemic has now caused more than 1.8 total cases in the United States and at least 106,000 deaths. On Wednesday, Florida, which is where this will be played, announced 1,317 new cases and 36 more deaths. That is the largest single-day surge in Florida in six weeks. So teams allowed, or the NBA allowed teams to reopen their practice facilities last month. And again, that was uh, Dan Devine on The Ringer discussing kind of what what the league is doing and and their plan. It's... uh, it's it's interesting that everything is is kind of going the way that it is with this especially with the surge and and this is a this is something that a lot of people are worried about with coronavirus right now and i said baseball is worried about a second wave coming later on is with the protests that are going on with people and states starting to open up a lot more frequently and 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 a lot of businesses much more normal business practices you are afraid of that second wave. And between now and the next week or so is when you will really start to tell if that has happened. And that could reset this entire progress, this entire process that um, that the teams and the leagues have been working on. Um, so let me read you a little bit more from a Ringer article. This is from 
Kevin O'Connor, who I just mentioned, was was mentioned in the other story. Um, basically, he says, upon arrival, all team members will be tested and then could be quarantined in the room for 36 hours. Daily testing will follow the quarantine period. The league is exploring a use of a saliva mouth swab to replace the uncomfortable deep nasal swab often used for the coronavirus. If a player tests positive, they will need to quarantine for at least 10 days and have two negative tests before rejoining their team. The same is true if a player leaves the league's Disney World campus, which will be closed off to the public. If a player leaves and returns, they will need to quarantine for at least 10 days and test negative twice before rejoining. So then he gets into the article and explains about rosters and back and forth and stuff like that. But this is the tentative schedule for the NBA. And Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer mentions that all dates are tentative and could change depending on delays due to the virus or because teams won their series quicker than expected. So this is basically what it would be. July 31st would be the first game to co- to f- complete the the first of the last eight games to complete the NBA season. August 16th and 17th would be the play-in tournament for those teams on the fringe if needed. Like I said, those 8-9 matchups. August 18th would be the beginning of the first round. September 1st would be the beginning of the second round. September 15th would start the conference finals. And September 30th, the NBA finals. The last possible date for a finals game seven is October 12th. The NBA draft is is tentatively scheduled for October 15th and free agency October 18th. Now, normally the NBA season would start at the end of October around uh, Halloween. So there are reports coming out that if it goes the distance, a game seven, or they keep these guys in through October, that they would then delay the start of the season and then condense the schedule that would still find a way to get all 82 games in for next season. And there would essentially be very little offseason. I'm talking about delaying the schedule by maybe a month, if that, Um, which would be obviously really hard on those players because, I mean, 82 games is a grind, period. And then more back-to-backs, more road trips, more games in in less days, that's got to be difficult, and that's obviously a problem. But – they have worked hard. And listen, the reason the NBA players are not upset about money like the baseball players are is because the NBA players have have gotten most of their money. They obviously have played a majority of their season. They've gotten most of their money, and they've it's been made right with them that they are going to get the money that they need or that they, uh, that they deserve. So that's the NBA. They're still working on that and working out the kinks, obviously. The NHL is also kind of working out the kinks, but they are making progress. They wanted to start by the end of June. So by the end of this month, the NHL was getting was hoping to get back. On Thursday of last week, they released the following statement, uh, saying that beginning on Monday, June 8th, subject to each club's satisfaction of all the requirements set out in, in the phase two. Okay, let me restart since I forgot how to read. Beginning Monday, June 8th, which was just the other day, subject to each club's satisfaction of all the requirements set out in the phase two protocol, clubs will be permitted to reopen their training facilities in their home city to allow players to participate in individualized training activities off the ice and on the ice. Players will be participating on a voluntary basis and will be scheduled to small groups, a maximum of six players at any one time, plus a limited number of club staff. The various measures set out in the Phase 2 protocol, which I read a couple of weeks ago on this podcast, are intended to provide the players with a safe and controlled environment in which to resume their conditioning. 
This is not a substitute for training camp. All necessary preparations for Phase 2, including those that require player participation, including education, diagnostic testing, scheduling, can begin immediately. The NHL and NHLPA continue to negotiate over an agreement on the resumption of play. And everything seems to say that those two sides are very close and that there is a good, good chance that the NHL does resume by the end of this month. We know that hockey... Uh, that's uh, uh, golf is coming back shortly. NASCAR is already back, so on and so forth. So we're getting there. Um, these leagues are really just kind of working out the kinks right now and trying to figure out what they want to do, where they want to go, how they want to get there. Um, so yeah, that's the latest. And I know that's a lot to digest, but you know, you kind of get a glimpse into what these guys have to go through. And I know what you might be saying. It goes back to my previous point. I could do all that for a few million dollars. That's right. You absolutely could. But again, you're not a professional athlete and you don't understand the lives that they live and the way that, you know, they go on. And I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just trying to say everybody's different and uh, it's easy to put yourself in someone else's shoes when you've never actually been in them. So um, there was some things that happened over the weekend um, and so let's talk about some some results, some headlines, so on and so forth. Kevin Harvick edged out Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. to win the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at the Atlanta Motor Speedway over the weekend. Harvick remains first in the NASCAR Cup Series standings. He has a 48-point lead over Joey Logano. UFC fighter Conor McGregor announced he was retiring on Twitter over the weekend. This marks the third time in four years McGregor has retired. I, like many others, will believe it when I see it. Other than that, not many other sports to catch up on. I will have an update about the MLS and their plans to come back on next week's episode. I believe the Premier League is getting closer to coming back. Uh, The Bundesliga in Germany has been back, and as far as I know, things have gone pretty well over there. Um, There was some news earlier this week, I believe on Tuesday, that the NFL is working on a plan to get everybody back into their facilities within the next couple of weeks in terms of players. That would mean teams are able to have uh, actual mini camps and so on and so forth. There are specific rules that they would have to meet, specifically with the amount of players in a meeting. Anybody over 20 would have to be a virtual meeting, so on and so forth, things like that. Um, Basically, though, that's looking like that's going to happen. Players are going to be able to come back, use the team facilities. There's a lot, a lot of of regulations and rules about how things are going to be cleaned, what can be used, what can't. Locker rooms are going to have to be rearranged. The lockers are six feet apart, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a challenge, obviously, for NFL teams. They're going to redo cafeterias. It can't be buffet-style stuff, any of that. So obviously it's going to be different, but it is a good sign that you'll be able to have guys in the building. And me personally, I would be really excited as a Bengals fan to have Joey Franchise in the building and be able to throw to his actual receivers. Um... Speaking of a franchise quarterback that wears number nine, I want to touch quickly uh, as I start to wrap up here on on Drew Brees, Colin Kaepernick, and and the the other headlines that um, took place in the NFL over the weekend. Obviously, civil unrest and and the ongoing situation is still very volatile for a lot of people. And last week, Drew Brees was asked in an interview – on Yahoo Finance, basically what he thought of Colin Kaepernick 
um, kneeling and players kneeling and so on and so forth. And, and Breeze basically said that when he sees players kneeling, basically said, I'll never be able to agree with that because when I see players kneeling, I think of the flag and I think of my grandfathers that fought for this country. And, and to, to him, that's just disrespectful. And so this is a, a classic example of what I talked about last week on the podcast where Drew Brees was basically deciding that, that he was choosing what Colin Kaepernick was protesting, that you know the way he sees kneeling is not the way that Colin Kaepernick sees kneeling, not the way that Eric Reed sees kneeling or any player that's knelt sees kneeling. It's, again, not an attack on the flag, not an attack on the military, not an attack on Drew Brees' grandparents. It is a protest of police brutality and injustice towards African Americans. And Drew, while I thought he was well-intentioned, could not have come at a better time when, it, when you come to, when you think about making an example out of someone, it was the perfect example. Because this is a guy that everyone looks up to, that everyone respects, that completely missed the point of everything. That he just didn't realize what he was saying. And then he had to get educated by his teammates publicly, by his colleagues in the league publicly, that came after him immediately, as if to say, Drew, you are a loud voice in this league. You are a franchise quarterback. You're a first ballot Hall of Famer. You're one of the all-time best to ever do this, and you're not helping the cause right now. He offended his teammates. He hurt their feelings. Malcolm Jenkins, the former Ohio State Buckeye, longtime NFL safety, Breeze's teammate, posted an emotional video saying he was angry with Breeze, and he was crying. He was upset because I think he understood the implications that something like that could have. And Breeze, the following day, apologized multiple times and said that he did not realize kind of the different experiences that his grandfathers had compared to grandfathers of other players in the league, specifically black players. He did not realize, you know, basically saying that he then understood that it was never about that to the players that were kneeling. And um, so I, I, I think that all things considered, it was handled really well by Breeze. It was handled really well by his teammates um, who kept him in check. And, you know, there, there's the argument that could be made, well, that conversation needs to be had behind closed doors. No, I don't think so. Because if you can't make an example out of Drew Brees, who can you make an example out of? The guy messed up, period, point blank. And if that can help one person realize, oh, that's what they mean, or, oh, that's what they mean by protesting, that's what they're protesting about, Oh, I see now. Well, shoot, even Drew Brees didn't understand. Well, well, now maybe maybe I understand because Drew Brees said he understands and, and I'm, I'm sympathizing with him or I'm understanding his point of view now. If that gets one person to change their opinion, then that helps. We're making progress. Um, so obviously that was a, 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 a kind of a cringeworthy thing, but it was a good thing. It was, you know, you always talk about how you know, growth comes in the hardest conversations. And I talked about that last week on the podcast. And that was a hard conversation that Drew Brees had to have in public with his teammates who berated him and people across the league that just destroyed him. 
it was a hard conversation he had to have, and there were a lot of hard conversations he had to have behind closed, closed doors for him to understand that he was completely off, off the, just completely missed the point. So, um, more than anything, something good came out of a bad situation. I think everyone's got to be excited and, uh, and happy about that. So, in terms of Colin Kaepernick, there's been some headlines this week that are saying that teams can start by can start this this process and I guess the NFL finally released a statement um and I don't know if I want to talk about this this week but there's a there's a guy who's the head of of like NFL social content and digital media his name is Brendan Minter and he's very very good at his job he's 27 years old I followed him on Twitter for a couple years now he's one of my favorite people to follow and the league, the NFL has consistently pissed down their leg when it comes to this Kaepernick situation, when it comes to kneeling, when it comes to um, racism. They have consistently pissed down their leg about it. And so they kind of issued this weak statement. And this kind of upset Mentor, and I'm sure it upset a lot of players. So he reached out to Mike Thomas, the Saints wide receiver, and said, hey, I want to work together on this video we want to call out the league. I might lose my job for it, but I need your help. So Mike Thomas gets guys like Tyron Matthew and DeAndre Hopkins and um, Jamal Adams and Patrick Mahomes and all these people involved to make this video. And uh, you can go and check it out. It's it's just really, really incredible where they are calling the players out. They're calling the league out. The players are calling the league out to say, we want you to actually come out and say that you are condemning racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We want you to say that you're listening to your players. We want you to actually listen to your players. And this is all done by Brendan Minter and, and Mike Thomas out of like their own off on their own. They didn't get any approval for the league to do this at all. It goes out on Saquon Barkley's Twitter account. Next thing you know, boom. And Roger Goodell makes a video. Roger Goodell reaches out to Brendan Minter, says, thank you for doing that. I'm glad that you did it, so on and so forth. The NFL beefed up their statement. They came out and said, we condemn racism. We condemn the systematic oppression of black people. The NFL would not be the NFL. It wouldn't exist without black people, and so on and so forth. And um, it was it was well done by the NFL to get better. It was well done by Brendan Minter, Mike Thomas, and those players to stand up to the league and say, you have to listen to us because you have no other moves left. And that statement you guys made and your actions throughout this entire process have been weak. So it's time for the, the, the most powerful league in the world to step up and act like the most powerful league in the world and admit you screwed up the Kaepernick thing and you're ready to, to walk with us in this new fight. And, uh, Credit to all parties involved. They they handled it well and and uh, obviously took a step forward. In terms of the teams now and the Colin Kaepernick thing situ- situation, there are there have been people calling for Kaepernick to be hired or to be signed. I guess I should say by a team, and I I don't know if I necessarily agree with this. And I talked about this a few months ago on the podcast. First and foremost, the movement. I for I, I don't think Colin Kaepernick would. I don't think he would want to play at this point, number one. Number two, he's 32 years old. He's not going to get very much money. He's not going to be a starter. Number three, this movement has seen the most progress in the last couple weeks than it has since all of this began. 
And Kaepernick needs to be a leader and he needs to be the face of this movement for a lot of people. So this movement needs him now more than they've ever needed him. And I don't know that signing an NFL contract and going into that role is going to help that at all. Finally, I also don't want him being signed by a team to misconstrue the message as being mission accomplished. Because Colin Kaepernick signing with an NFL team, if it makes sense, great for both of them. If not, it it also could send the wrong message to say, oh, thank God, Colin signed, everything's okay. No, it's far beyond Colin Kaepernick as a quarterback on an NFL team. Um, so that's just what, that's what I think. And, and if you're Colin, I mean, I, I don't think that, that being on an NFL roster, and again, I'm not Colin Kaepernick. I've never experienced the things that he's going through and I've never been a professional athlete, but from my vantage point, it suggests, I don't know that that would be the, the best stage for his cause right now, for the cause that everyone's fighting. It might be to, to be in the streets, to be on television and, and giving interviews and and leading people through things. He's received a lot of donations recently to his charity. I know the CEO of Twitter just gave $3 million to Kaepernick's foundation. Things are moving forward for that foundation and for this movement. And I think that signing with an NFL team could potentially misconstrue the message as mission accomplished and kind of be a distraction from what actually is actually what actually is is the mission and, and what's actually happening so that's where i stand on drew Brees, on colin kaepernick on the league i'm sure we'll talk about it more moving forward we're going to see a lot of players coaches um everybody a lot of people kneeling at football games this year it's going to be a huge deal it's going to be used against the players it's going to be used against the league by donald trump it's going to be used in political campaigns. It's it's going to be a mess. Listen, three months ago today, we were sitting in restaurants eating. Three months from now, we have no idea where we're going to be. Uh, what's going to be next? I've learned one thing for sure is that you just got to survive the day um, and just keep going and and whatever comes shall come, and, and we have no idea what's coming. So that went a little longer than I expected, but I appreciate you listening if you stuck around uh, to hear that. And um, like I said, next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking more about the MLS, what they're doing as they prepare to come back from um, their hiatus and begin their season as coronavirus rages on and as they continue to try to, um, I guess, outrun that virus and get a season underway. They're going to be having something similar to the NBA, from what I understand. Um, We'll have some golf results to talk about, hopefully some progress in the NBA as well. NHL, or the the NFL, we will maybe have players in facilities to talk about when it comes to that. And, of course, we'll be watching the Major League Baseball owners versus players dispute very closely as they continue to work on a deal. So, until then... Thank you so much for listening. We know the ball don't lie. And uh, be safe out there. Open your ears, open your eyes, open your hearts. Have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.